0: May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Our second reading is from Amos, chapter 5, verse 24. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Our third reading is from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. This is God's word to God's people.
1: the Holy Lord.
2: Thank you, Sonny, for reading the scriptures that we had this morning. We don't usually select three, but I couldn't choose just two when it came to justice. And in all honesty, I had over 2,000 to choose from, so <laughs> narrowing it down to three was pretty good. <laughs> Sometimes when we talk about justice Especially in churches, we get a little squeamish. But we have to remember that justice is something that is a biblical mandate. It's something that God has called us to do and to live for and to strive for time and again throughout Scripture. From his, from his prophets to the way that Jesus taught. We were taught to seek justice and to look out for those who could not care for themselves. Now, some of us would say that there's some things that are easy to choose what is right and what is wrong, and then there's some things that have some gray area. I hope that you will agree with me that human trafficking is wrong, that domestic violence is wrong, that abusing children is wrong, that stealing from a widow is wrong. I hope you'll agree with me, you may not, And we can have a conversation about that later. But justice at its simplest form and its simplest definition means to set things right. We as people of faith have been trying to set things right with God from the beginning. We've been trying to to reestablish our relationship, to make things the way that God desired it to be all the way back at at the Garden of Eden we're trying to reestablish our connection with God and help others reestablish their connection with God. And each of us will choose to do that in different ways. We have many in our community that have chosen to seek justice by serving in a police department or being a part of the military and making sure that they are offering protection to their communities and to those in need. We have others that are working to establish organizations that address systemic issues like many mansions and how they they are working to bring, an, maybe not an end, but to curb the reality of homelessness and affordable housing in our area by addressing the needs of our community. We have the ability to respond to what God has placed in front of us. We have the ability to do justice, to represent God in the world, to confront evil, to take care of the vulnerable, and to make right that which is wrong. It's not something new. It's something that our Bible calls us to again and again. We should be fueled by the compassion of Christ as we engage in issues of injustice, protecting the vulnerable, fighting for those held in oppression, walking alongside the wounded, and pointing them to the one who heals, restores, and redeems. Phil Maynard, in the book that we've been reading as we've been setting a course for a better life and looking at this month specifically about service instead of serve us, service instead of serve us, talks about the church being called to make a difference, to engage the systems and practices that place people in need of mercy ministries, to engage people in ways that empower them to live fuller, more productive lives. We have to address what causes the symptoms of issues, we have so many groups that do, do a wonderful job at or uh, providing mercy ministries, of feeding the hungry, while justice ministry would provide um, job training so that people are not dependent upon the food program anymore. They go hand in hand. As we do mercy, we also seek justice to perpetuate change and bring about that setting things right for the larger community. As I've been thinking about this, a movie hit the, the DVD shelves of our, and uh, our Blu-ray shelves of our local stores. Um, and it's a movie that is significant to our family having five-year-olds. And that movie is Frozen 2. For those of you, and as I was thinking about Frozen 2, I was realizing that it addresses some of these realities of justice ministries and justice issues. For those of you who don't know the story of Frozen, the first movie that came out a few years ago is a story about two sisters, Anna and Elsa, who are royal orphans who are trying to figure out how to live in the world um, and live out the responsibilities of their lives. One of them is queen, the other one's trying to figure out how to experience and recognize true love um, when that has been something that has been missing from her life in a while. Frozen 2 is the continuation of their story after they've, they've grown into their identity and they've recognized who they are in both of those capacities, and they are seeking to understand themselves all the more and all the better. It's a story, Frozen 2 is a story about listening to the spirit, learning about their past, recognizing the truths and the untruths taught and making and choosing to do the next right thing, no matter how difficult it was to correct prior wrongs and to bring about lasting peace. At the beginning of Frozen 2, Elsa hears this voice, this song calling to her, and she sings about a call to go into the unknown, Now, if any of you were here two weeks ago, you heard me talk about my personal GPS system, my God-positioning system, or the Holy Spirit. I recognize in Elsa her God-positioning system, calling her into the unknown, calling her to recognize I'm touching my hair and my face. I apologize. Um, Calling her into the unknown to see what is next. And here's the reality for us. When our God position system is calling us, there's a couple different responses that we can have. For Elsa, the first time that she heard the voice, she's like, I don't like this. I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to walk away from it. It's not there. The next time she said, maybe this is a voice that is telling me something significant that I'm supposed to pay attention to. Maybe I'll respond. The third time that that she sings about it, she recognizes that the voice is not as clear as it was before. And she's wondering where it was and recognizing that she misses that voice, that presence in her life. For us, our God positioning system calls us each and every day. And some days we recognize it and go, "Mm mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. And at those times, those are the times, you might remember this better with GPS's five, ten years ago than on your phone now, but mine was notorious for saying, when possible, make a legal (laughs) U-turn. Recalculating route. When possible, make a legal U-turn. Recalculating route. (laughs) And those are the times where we ignore where the Holy Spirit is telling us to go, and we go another direction. And then there's the times where we go, now this route makes no sense to me oh my goodness, driving from San Diego to Simi Valley on some days takes you the most convoluted route possible. And you sit there and go, why is that the case? Similarly, the Holy Spirit, as it's guiding us, we go, I'm not sure why I'm going here, but I'm going to trust that you're leading me in the right direction, God. Guide me, Spirit. Lead me on my way. And sometimes the spirit's hard to recognize. Sometimes it's hard to discern what the next right step is. And that's when we take the time to go back and to explore and to say, okay, God, I'm not hearing you so well. Help me reattune myself to my GPS so that I can get on the course that you want me to be on. Elsa was engaging her GPS as she was exploring the need to go into the unknown. And I love it because as she's exploring the need to go into the unknown, her sister is on a parallel but different story. She's dealing with with what's going on in the dynamics of the movie, and I'm working really hard not to be a spoiler, so if I'm being vague, I apologize, but maybe I'm giving you enough of an incentive to want to watch the movie. Um, She's reflecting on some grief, she's reflecting on where her life is taking her at the moment, but she is trying to not get overwhelmed by the past or overwhelmed by the present, but just do the next right thing. That is her goal, is to do the next right thing. And she sings the song, processing her emotions and her feelings, and it ends this way. When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. I love that there's a voice conversation in that one, too, because that takes us back to the Holy Spirit guiding and directing her and her GPS saying, here's the next thing to do. And there's a truth that sometimes in our lives when we're trying to figure out what the next right thing is, we can get so overwhelmed by our past that we can't move. And sometimes we can get so overwhelmed by the magnitude of what's going on in the world that we don't know how we can address everything. But if we just choose one thing and move and choose and respond to the next right thing and make that one change, that change can take us to the next step and the next right thing and the next right thing to seek for and to strive for justice. It's really important in our life our lives, to recognize that we don't have to have it all together and have it all mapped out at one time, but to trust that our GPS is guiding us, to seek justice and to do justice in the world. Now, I know that some of you guys, as you were listening to our 15-minute spiel on the coronavirus, possibly thought that we were going a little overboard. I'm okay with that, but the truth is that for me, the steps that we are taking is the next right thing for our congregation. The chapter that we're looking at is going from serve us or serve me to service and serving others. I recognize that my family is not one that is directly susceptible to the coronavirus or at least not one of the typical carriers of it. But I recognize that me just focusing on my family, I could say, well, it doesn't address us, so I'm not gonna pay attention to it. But I recognize that as I'm in ministry to you and in service to you, I need to think about the person who is on the margins, whose health is so compromised that if we don't take these steps, we're making this an unsafe place for them. Our goal as a faith community is to be a safe place that establishes community for everyone. And if we're gonna do that, we need to take seriously the precautions that make it safe for those in our community who might get ill. And you know what, here's the added bonus. It's truth, it's true that the coronavirus is a virus that needs to be taken in consideration and weighed next to the flu, next to cancer, next to hunger and poverty and deaths from that. But the reality is is that when we take these steps now, we're in some ways acknowledging the needs of many other communities that will benefit from these changes as well. So while we're taking precautions for the coronavirus, we're also saying all of those kids, all of those adults that get cancer, or that wasn't the point I was going to say, who get the flu, we're not passing it back or forth. We don't pass cancer the same way. But the flu is exchanged in a very similar way to the coronavirus. Pneumonia is something that by doing this, we're helping to stave off as well. We are being, we are thinking about a justice issue for a part of our community. And you might not have thought about it that way before, and that's okay. But know that we're trying, as your leaders, to think about the needs of the larger community, not just our specific needs, but for, pe- for everyone, so that this is a place that we all can gather together as safely as possible for as long as possible. For some of us, justice will take, or for all of us, justice will take on different forms. There is a judge in LA who recognized that there's many people in the community who do not have the best relationship with him. And they, they have poor visions of what his role is about providing justice. So he decided to step out of his robes and onto the streets in Skid Row and take his passion for running and to provide a skill set for um, some of the people in that community to help them get off of the streets, break their addiction, and learn a new way to deal with the struggles of life. He started the Skid Row Running Club, and this year is the seventh year that the Skid Row Running Club is running in the LA Marathon, which is happening today despite the coronavirus with some precautions. When they started, they had 30 to 40 runners each year. They've had between 300 and 500 people run the race since he started his efforts with the Skid Row Running Club. He used his gifts and graces, the things that he loved to do, to train people about how to respond differently to the struggles of life, to build a community through the club, and to say that I've got a support group so that I don't need to turn to the things that I've turned to before. Some of you might not see that as a justice issue. Maybe it's a mercy issue. But again, I think they go hand in hand because he's giving them the tools that they don't need to turn to the things that they were turning to before. My hope for us is that we each reflect on what the next right thing is for us, how God is calling to us through our GPS system so that we might respond in ways that bring justice and mercy to a community that is so in need. I love that we have our ministry fair going on, or our service fair going on out on the patio, because they're addressing some of those systemic problems that we have. They're talking about hunger. And through our crop walk this last week, they raised somewhere between thirty-five and $3,700 dollars. Thousand dollars, which means that somewhere between—I can't do the math fast enough—somewhere between seven and nine thousand dollars stays in our local community, and the other three quarters of it go out into the world to address hunger and needs in the community. We have groups that deal with homelessness and housing and mental illness and economic—what, um, what, food? I just blanked on my word. Um, the, the fear about where your next meal is coming from. Um, Health care, supporting our troops, supporting our seniors, supporting our children who are um, our children who are aging out of foster care and address and supporting foster children as well, supporting women who are dealing with domestic violence and helping to make sure our children have the education that they need. That's just a few of the organizations that are out on the patio. Maybe that just means that the next right thing for you may be out there. And if that's not the next right thing for you, how is God inviting you to respond to the gifts that you have been given? By making the world right. By setting the world back to the place where everyone knows their inherent worth, everyone knows that they have their resources met, and everyone knows that they will make it another day. I hope and pray that through this day, you will listen to your GPS and figure out what your next right thing is. Amen.